Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Good morning, VLC. How we doing? Come on. Hey, my name is Jacob, and uh, one of the pastors here, we want to say thank you for joining us and attending. And we want to welcome all those watching online. We can't wait to one day see you in person. We understand maybe there's a reason you're still watching it um, online. That is okay. When you feel comfortable, come in person. Hopefully, we have a seat for you because it's pretty crazy in here. Do me a favor, turn to the person next to you and tell them, I'm so glad you are sitting next to me. And then, uh, then tell them, ain't it great to live in South Florida? Come on, church. We live in the greatest state in America. Amen. I mean, we have, you know, we've seen what's going on the past couple weeks. There is snow everywhere, but down here there's Jesus. And uh, so there is the sun. There is the beach. You know, I know people are struggling through all that, and I certainly don't say that lightly. But, man, here is it's, it's paradise. Why would you want to leave this place? And so maybe you've been out in the sun like me a little too, too long yesterday, but I know some of you are eager to get out of here and go to the beach. I just pray that you give us some time and just a few moments. Man, if you are new or fairly new, we want to say thank you for joining us and being a part. We're in a, uh, a series that we've titled Living God's Way. And how many know that this is really the heartbeat of our church? This isn't just some series we have started, but it is, it's a motto that not only our senior pastor, Pastor Ron, has lived by, but it's breathed in and out of the church. Living God's way is the best way. And um, how many of you are thankful that we're in a church? As, as we read through Scripture, we don't bypass the hard truths, right? Because if we're going to understand the gospel, we have to understand sin. You know, my dad said it last week best, sin, preaching sin is vital to preaching the gospel. Amen. And so we get to read scripture. We don't get to cut it, you know, cookie cut it and give you what you want to hear. We're going to give you what you need to hear. Amen. And so that's happening here at this church. And man, it's been so good to sit here. And as, as we're, we're talking about these things, we hear the good, but we also hear about the wrath. And uh, I'm, I'm asking myself, man, God is so good. God is so gentle. God is so sweet. But there's, there's, a, there's a whole nother side of who God is. And some of you know that more, more than others. Some of you can, can relate to that. And I think about passages like 2 Peter 3.9. You know, 2 Peter 3.9, we can throw it up on the screen. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. But instead, he is, he is patient. Somebody say patient. He is patient with you. Not, any, not wanting anybody to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. This is good news. God is so good. God is so great. I could do my thing for a long time and, and then God is gonna one day just, you know, reveal himself to me and then I'll submit. It's gonna, oh man, this is so good. I could do my thing for as long as I want and then I'll come to repentance. But then I read a passage like John 3:36, which says, whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects, somebody say rejects, rejects the son will not see life. In fact, it says, for God's wrath remains on them. Now we hear this other side that I didn't know about. I only showed up to church just to hear the good parts, the parts that make me feel kind, the parts that make me feel good, the parts that make me walk away saying, ain't it good to be a believer in the house of God? But now we got to talk about the wrath of God? Now we got to talk about sin? You know, church, here's the truth. There is no neutral ground in this faith. 
There is no neutral ground in this faith. Either you are for God or you are against God. You either believe in Baal or you believe in God. We can't no longer sit on the fence and decide one day what side we're going to choose because there may not ever be a one day. And so we got to choose today who we will serve because either we will inherit eternal life, which is so good, or we will receive eternal death, which is so bad. And so I ask you where you're at today. What are you thinking? If you're watching online, what are you processing in this journey? Where are you at with all of this? What are you really believing? What are you really standing by? What do you really know? What are you really convicted about? And here's what I want us to understand today for taking notes. Here's the title of today's message. God is kind, but not soft. God is kind, but not soft. Father, we thank you. We love you. And as we read through your word, would you continue to shape us and challenge us? Would it reveal the inner parts of us, the parts that are ugly, the parts that are broken, the parts that are wounded? Because so many of us, Lord, we carry a lot of that with us. And sometimes all of that distorts um, stepping out and distorts the view that we see of the church, distorts the view of what we see as our identity and who it really is in. And so would you allow us to look past some of those things and today with an open heart and an open mind and open hands would we receive the kindness the gentleness but also the toughness the challenging things the hard things that we don't always want to necessarily hear but we got to because it's essential and so would you be with us today in jesus name everybody said in one loud voice one last time Amen, amen. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, I ain't as kind as you think I am. I ain't, you gotta say ain't though, that's important. I ain't as kind. You know, I was in a, I was a long time ago when I was in third grade, which was only a few years ago, some of you may be thinking, but that wasn't. When I was in third grade, our teacher came up to us and said, um, if any student in here wants a, a cat, I'll give you a cat. And I was like, that's strange even thinking about it now today. But I got a little kitten. If anybody wants a kitten, go home, ask mom and dad, and then get a letter of approval, get it stamped with some blood on it, and then bring it back, and then I'll give you the, the, the kitten. And so uh, my mom worked at the school, and so I got to, you know, get there early. I had my whole letter. I had it. I mean, I brought it to my teacher, and he was so moved by my compassion and my genuine heart and my spirit and my gentleness that I got the kitten and um, you know now looking back I probably wouldn't have wanted it but uh, as cute as cats are it also comes with the crazy side of cats right you know what I'm talking about like as cute as they are they come with claws and so you think like oh man this is gonna be so sweet this is gonna be so nice I got a little kitten this is gonna be great until they cl nearly claw your eye out until they scratch you and scar you and now you're thinking like I didn't want this thing why the heck would God even create this kind of animal can I get an amen? I don't own any cats, and I hope that I never do own any cats. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just questioning why God brought them on the ark a long time ago. He could have left them there. They are cute, but they do come with a crazy side, right? That can pertain to all things. They are cute, but they come with a crazy side. And I think so many of us, I ain't talking about any, any particular spouse in here, all right? I'm just saying, I'm just speaking out loud. You know, you want the good parts, guess what? You're going to get the bad parts. Yeah, you think she's pretty or he's cute, guess what? You're going to get their past, you're going to get their debt, you're going to get their issues and their problems. That does not all change when you get married. Can I get an amen? I didn't hear an amen from my wife. Because she didn't get any of that. 
Because there was none of that. I'm just kidding. There was a lot of that. You know, I think so many of us, we step into church, we step into this faith, and we say, I just want the, the nice Jesus. I just want the kind Jesus. And I would say, well, then you ain't going to get the real Jesus. Because there's so much more to this life. There's so much more to this book that you need to understand, you need to grasp in order to experience the fullness of God. And so we're in the book of Romans, chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Paul, who's an apostle of Christ, is addressing these believers in Rome into what many would say is unquestionably the fullest and the deepest collection of the foundational truths of the faith. Right, the ABCs, 101. This is the foundations of the faith here in Romans. In fact, there's a small group that we have started on Wednesday nights. If you're interested in learning the basics, the foundational truths, then sign up for that small group. The foundational faiths are right here. And as we read this, we have to understand and be reminded of the theme of this book in Romans, the righteousness of God. In other words, this is um, his standard by which we measure all things. Somebody say all things. Apparently we have forgotten that there is absolute truth. We kind of think that there's our truth and our truth may not be your truth, but our truth is my truth because I just feel like it's truth. Well, that ain't truth. There is one truth and it's God, right? Although somebody may have written a, a six or it looks in your perspective as a nine, you think it's a, it's a six, somebody says it's one of those. So there is absolute truth. We have to understand that. We have to get that. And so here Paul is in addressing what maybe people are questioning, and he's like, don't forget this. You got to know this. And so in chapter one, he addresses those who were known for sinning. He was addressing those who were guilty, and now he redirects his attention to those who are generally not known for sinning, not known for doing horrible things. Perhaps we could call them moralists. They're, they're good in their conduct. They're good in their behavior. And it goes on to say in verse one, you read with me. It says, you, somebody say you. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the what? Do the same things. Now, Paul has directed his attention to, many would say, is the Jewish reader, the people who, who didn't commit all the all the sins in the previous chapter, the sexual recklessness, the fornication, the perversion, the depravity of the mind, all that corruption which led and continues to lead to the abandonment of God. Man, if you don't know about the abandonment of God, then you better listen to last week's sermon. All of those things, these people were more so, a um, little, more, little more righteous in what they did or a little more righteous in what they, they didn't do. Because uh, I don't know if you've experienced people like this, but um, I don't sin I don't make as many mistakes as somebody else does. And so, so I'm good. I don't do the things that they do, so, so I'm, I'm all right. They have a longer list of mistakes and sins and past things that they have committed, and, and I just don't. And so uh, um, <clears throat> speak to me, Paul. Speak to me. Tell me I'm good. Tell me how great I am. Tell me how massive my house in heaven is going to be. And Paul's like, okay. You want, you want to hear this? I'm going to tell you what you do not want to hear, but it's what you do need to hear. How many know that some of your friends need to hear not what they want to hear, but what God says they need to hear? And so let's be a little bit more honest, right? Being kind is right. Being kind is good. And so what happens is we've got these people who are taking um, pride in the fact that they're uh, not as bad. 
You know, they take pride in who they are because they're good, but they're taking pride in the fact that they don't do all that these other people are doing. They're looking at disgust in those who sin, looking at disgust at those who commit things that they would never, ever even speak of. I don't do that. Therefore, I am a little bit more prideful. In fact, what are they doing? They're comparing. You can write that down. Comparison. Comparison is a trap. Comparison is, isn't good for you, and it's certainly not good for anybody else. But the truth is, it was just a simple method of justification for their own sin. I know what I do, and I don't do what you do. If I could just not do as many wrongs as you do, then I'm good. If I could just not, not speed as fast as the car in front of me, then I am good. I mean, let's be honest. I don't mind driving 80 miles an hour as long as the person in front of me is driving 82 miles an hour. Because if I know that cop comes, he ain't coming for me until that one day he does. No, no joke. About a month ago, my wife and I were driving down the road. This car was going faster than me. All of a sudden, I see these lights behind me. And I don't know about you, but that has got to be the worst feeling in the world when those lights come on. And every day, I drive on the turnpike. I see about three state troopers almost every single day. And I see this state trooper come behind me. And I'm thinking, Lord, <laughs> Have mercy on your child. I did not do anything. And, and, and so I get over like a good citizen is supposed to do to allow the cop to pull over the person in front of me. And guess what happened? He, he pulled over the person in front of me. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I won't ever speed till tomorrow. Woo. Let's go. And uh, I, I just think so many people live life this way that I don't do as many wrongs as they do. So I'm good. And Paul is saying you're comparing you're comparing. You know, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus addresses, um, you know, all of these, these, these self-righteous people. And uh, he, he t tells a story about two men who are praying. You have one man who is very self-righteous, one man who, who is knowledgeable in the word. Um, he does what is right. He doesn't do all the, the immoral things or the bad things. And then you have another man who's a tax collector that probably was doing, you know, cheating, lying. And so the man over here who's self-righteous was saying, God, I thank you you that I'm not like that man. I thank you that I just don't make as many mistakes. I thank you that I don't sin. I thank you that my days aren't as dark. I thank you. I praise you that I'm not like them. I praise you. And meanwhile, you have the tax collector who's saying, God, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, that man went home justified by God. It's, it's comparison. It's this idea that I'm better than you because I haven't done as Many wrong things as you. And one commentary put it this way. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you will eventually end up flat on your face. You know, comparison is a trap. It never wins. But not even comparison was just the only issue that they were using to justify their actions or their sins or their self-righteousness. But it was also their position. Somebody say position. Comparison and position. And it's because of my position that I can justify my sin. I mean, these were God's chosen people. These were the chosen people of God. I should be free of judgment. I go to church every single Sunday. I actually read my Bible once a week. I should be free of all this condemnation. I ain't like everybody else. I don't do all those things. I should be free. Using your position as justification for all of your sinning, I don't know if God is like okay with that. You know, I don't know about you, but I spent many, many trips to the principal's office. And it wasn't that I was a horrible child. I just was a horrible child. And uh, the, problem was, the problem was that my mom worked at my school, you know? And, uh, and I thought I had a lot of perks, you know? I mean, I got to go into the teacher's lounge, but this is weird seeing my teachers eat, so I don't know if that was a perk or not, 
you know? I, I don't know. I, but, I, you know, I got sent to my mom's office all the time. And when my mom would receive me, you know, she'd make one quick phone call to my dad. And so uh, I was like, Mom, 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 come on, I'm your son, you know. Eventually she was so tired of seeing me. She was my seventh period in class. You know, I had the first six, and then I had my seventh period, which was in my mom's office because I got in trouble. And then she started just sending me to the principal's office. She's like, I'm done with, with you getting to me. I don't want you to ruin my day. Just go to the principal's office. And I'm like, fine. I'm going to negotiate my way out of getting in trouble and getting a detention. I could do this until I realized that that was way worse. And I was running back to mom. Come on, mom. What are you doing? I'm your son. You know, I'm your son. It's, it's Megan, Josh, Kevin, Sarah, your favorite, Jacob. And then there's Luke. You know, what, what are you doing? Why are you going to send me over to the principal's office? I was using my name, my position, my status as justification. But that's clearly not what Jesus is wanting. That's clearly not what God is saying. In fact, church, you have a position then embody that position. You have a name, embody that name because the higher the position you have, the more responsibility and the more accountability you are to have. Amen? The higher the position. I know people abuse that. I know people use that. I know people make their way to the top by being horrible, you know, employers, horrible bosses. And I would say, yeah, they're making their way up to the top while they're stepping on everybody else's head and bodies to get there. That's not it. The higher the position. Listen, if the Jews were the chosen people of God. Talk about the accountability that was needed. They represented God. Talk about the responsibility that was there. You've been given a name, represent that name and do it with humility. You've been given a title, represent that title and do it with humility. It was St. Augustine who said it was pride that changed angels to demons. Humility is key especially if we have any position. Go to verse two. It says, now that we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. In other words, this is good news for us. God's, God's judgment is according to truth. He does not have one standard for uh, one group and then another standard for another group. This is, in a sense, what the Jews were thinking. We're the chosen people. We don't, we don't get judged like the Gentile nation over there. We get judged differently. And so it goes on to say in verse three, so when you a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Now, I think about, you know, our senior pastor here, my dad, who was uh, out in Texas right now visiting, um, many of you know, JW and uh, Megan, um, who he's actually preaching today, which is crazy. And uh, I think about, you know, at some point, when long, a long time from now, when, you know, somebody is remembered, I, I do think it's safe to say, and I, and I want to honor him, and I, and I would do this even if he was here today, um, what a man of God we have leading our church, who cares more about people than anything else, cares more about the assignment that God has placed on his life. I mean, this is, it's, it's surreal that as a son, I get to stand here and talk about him, honor him, and then be led by him. You know, listen, when I was young, I wanted to get out. I wanted to go far, far, far away. And now here I am. He's, he's wrote me back in. And I'm here like saying, this is so good. Man, this is crazy. Yeah, he's my dad and we have some issues or whatever. You know, we'll take it out on the pickleball court. Um, but I, I just, man, what an honor. And so I'm hoping one day that he's remembered, um, not for the church that he ran, not for um, how good he was and how, you know, how, how young he looked at that age. I mean, he's going to be... 
He's going to be 100 when he dies laying in his deathbed, and he's going to look like he's 45 still. And he's going to have a sign on his shirt that says, I'm still 45. I still look it. And I'm just like, what is he going to be remembered by? And there's so many things I could quote him, but growing up, um, and I know I think my brother's here, we could remember, he used to always say this. Anytime we were, you know, judging and we were um, hypocritical and there was this spirit about us, he would always say, um, that's, like, that's like the pot calling the kettle black. You ever heard that before? That's like the, maybe you haven't. I was like, I, I didn't even know what a kettle was. That's like a pot calling the kettle black. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a hypocritical spirit that says, um, I can't believe you do that. Meanwhile, Monday through Friday, you're doing the same thing. I can't believe you would ever say that. Meanwhile, every other day, you're saying the same exact thing. It's pointing the finger, realizing that you got three fingers pointing right back at you. That's like the pot calling the kettle black. You can text him and say, Pastor Ron, we had the greatest service ever in the history of VLC. <laughs> just kidding. Don't do that. Tell him you missed him. But, uh, man, I just, I, I, I'm so thankful for him and so thankful for the wisdom that he imparted into us at an early age, even though a lot of it I didn't want. Now that I'm old, I, I realize it and I, and I sense it. And I'm like, I want that, especially for my kids. This hypocritical, judgmental spirit um, isn't going to take us anywhere. In fact, it's going to hurt us. You know, Jesus, in his, uh, in his uh, longest and most popular sermon, Sermon on the Mount, he concludes uh, the portion and starts off by talking about judging. And yeah, he's focusing on, it's crazy, he condemns, he doesn't condemn the sinners, he condemns the self-righteous. People who know it all, but ain't acting like it. He's like, I condemn you. And so if I can just hit on this judgmental spirit for just a moment, because I hear it all the time, I, I ain't going to church because I'm going to feel judged. right? I don't like being around you because you're always judging me. I, I don't like coming here because I just... My sin is clear and it's evident, and I just don't like people looking at me that way. And, and you know, I, it's, it's, it's an issue, for, for sure is. But what does Jesus say about this? Because perhaps there is a way to do this. He says in Matthew chapter 7. You don't need to flip there. It'll be on the screen. Matthew 7, verses 1, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a people watcher. I love just watching people. We were on the Ave in Delray Beach the other night, and I was just, just staring at people as they walked by. I love it. I mean, I ain't like, you know, condemning there. I'm just like, man, they're wearing that. They're looking like that. They're walking like that. I just, it's, I, I, I'm wrong, but I, I just have a, I have a hard time. And, uh, um, you know, I, I struggle with this because uh, I wonder if people are doing the same thing about me. You know, I'm over here sitting. And, oh, Ben, by the way, that wasn't your cue. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, by the way, I got, I got 45 minutes left. You know, I'm just sitting there kind of watching them all walk by. I'm like, I, I, that shirt's a little too tight. I wouldn't wear that. I wouldn't do that. I wonder if they're just sitting here like, who is this guy over here sitting here with his legs crossed? Who is that guy? I'm just thinking about how much people are judging me in the same moment I'm judging you. So you better be careful. You says you judge. You too will be judged. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay zero attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all of the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Come on, tell somebody next to you. You hypocrite. We're just speaking in church, right? It's kind language. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Church, we need to hear this. Jesus did not forbid us to judge. 
there is just a proper way to judge. Before you judge, judge yourself. This is the, this is the issue with the self-righteous. They were, they, were, uh, they were wrong in their judgment of others because they were wrong in first their judgment of themselves. They couldn't judge others properly because they couldn't judge themselves properly. I think so many of us have abandoned, you know, our journey and our walk. And all we do is call other people out when we know that we need to call ourselves out. Find yourself a good spouse that'll call you out. Find yourself some good friends that'll call you out. Find yourself some good workers that aren't afraid to tell you what you need to hear. Make a good assessment of yourself before you go and start making assessments of other people. Because at some point, I'm... Watching all these people walk by, and I'm like, my shirt is a little too tight. I could have wore a bigger shirt. <sighs> Maybe my jeans are a little too tight as well. I could have brought some bigger jeans. And now I start to see, like, my own flaws, my own weaknesses before I can sit there and start correcting other people. Correct yourself, and then you correct other people. Amen. People are self-righteous. They don't get it. They're having a hard time with it. We need to hear this that we will be judged as well. And we know that at some point that's at the throne room of God, the final judgment. And it's, it's so important for us to look at our own heart because when we look at our own heart, it better prepares us to serve other people. You can write this down, church. We will help each other grow in grace. That's the kindness of God right there. The fact that um, he has been so good and, it's, and we, don't, we don't deserve it. It's when you're counseling somebody or you're an you know, employer and you have to address something and, and, and the issue is evident, it's clear, it's out there. How do you handle that? You know, do you handle it and say, you're fired, you can never do that again? Or do you say, hey, listen, I've made the same mistakes. I do the same thing. You know, if I'm praying with somebody, I say, God, reveal the weaknesses in my heart. Show me where I mess up. I have probably made every single mistake you have made. And so now I judge myself accordingly, and therefore I can now judge others accordingly. Here at VLC, we are going to be all about helping people grow in grace. Jesus had no tolerance for those who were passing judgment on others, doing the same thing. And he says, in fact, you will not escape God's judgment. So be careful. Look at verse 4. It says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to what? To repentance. In other words, look at what God has done for you. Look at all that God has done for you. He has brought you, brought you out of brokenness. He's brought you out of pain. He's brought you out of um, a, a wilderness experience. He's given you wealth. He's given you favor. He's given you patience. Come on, how many of you can be thankful that God is patient with you? My gosh, he has been patient with me. The amount of times that I doubt him, the amount of times that I deny him, the amount of times that I don't believe him, God is still there saying, I got you, I love you, I will be patient for you. God has been better to us than we deserve. He has shown us kindness when we have ignored him. He has shown us kindness when we have mocked him. God is perfectly willing to forgive you. It's his kindness and his goodness that leads you to repentance. Repentance? What's that? That's life change. That's a transformation of the, of the heart, and that's a transformation of the mind. That's changing, saying, um, this is what I want, and this is now knowing what I need. And so there's a transformation that takes place when his kindness leads us to repentance. And now I start falling in love with the things of God. 
Now I start walking in the things of God. Now I start to get excited about the things of God. Here's, here's the truth. This is what kindness, which leads to repentance, does. It makes you more attractive in God and less attractive in sin. Amen. It makes you more attractive in the things of God, and it makes you less attractive to the things of sin. Because when I start falling in love with God, I start falling out of love with sin. I can't always explain it. And I was so passionate about this, this sin and, and this, this uh, lust and this temptation. But now that I'm just walking in the presence of God, I don't want anything to do with that. It's in the moments when I'm weak. It's in the moments when I fail. It's in the moments when I'm not attending church. I've abandoned my small group. I've stopped reading the word. I've stopped praying. I've stopped worshiping. It's in those moments when I fail the hardest. It's in those moments where I'm tempted. It's in those moments where I find zero victory in conquering sin. But when I am faithful, when I pray, when I worship, when I attend church, all of a sudden I find myself able to conquer any temptation that the enemy brings my way, church. I can find victory it will come it may not come quick it may take some time but I know through what Jesus has done I can find victory amen and so I walk in that because I know who he is and as I fall in love with who he is I fall in love uh, out of love with everything else because God is attractive his things are attractive I can find it I just gotta be ready I gotta be ready. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 6.11, he says, be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul is saying his kindness is what leads us to repentance, but there better be repentance. There better be repentance. His kindness leads me to repent. And now I repent. If I just live life waiting till my deathbed to then repent, because that's what many people would say. When I'm old and dying, I'll then turn to Jesus. Well, I would say, Scripture says, that you don't even know the number of your days. You may not get there. You want eternal life now, or you want to gamble? Because that doesn't work. God's judgment is coming. We understand that, yes, he is kind, but he's not going to let you, let you off the hook. He is not soft. Look at verse 5. Romans 2, verse 5. It says, because of your stubbornness, anybody, anybody stubborn in here? Stubborn? We got two honest people. Everybody else is a liar. <laughs> my, my oldest son is very stubborn, and I don't know who he got that from. But odds are probably me, right? That's what you wanted me to say. <sighs> That's what I know I need to say. And it's truth. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, man, I, I have been unrepentant at times. You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his, remember, this is what we have to read. This is the hard truths that we can't bypass. We don't bypass these things here at VLC. We're not going to give you just the kind Jesus. We're going to give you the real Jesus. It says, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. God will repay each person according to what they have done. Y'all know about you, but I'm like, 
oh, can I get an eraser? I have a lot of things to erase. My goodness, if this is true, that God is going to repay each person according to what they've done. I just imagine a house being built in heaven for me, and every time I do something wrong, a room gets taken out. Because I have about 127 rooms in my house. You know, uh, the, the gold toilet gets taken out. You know, all of a sudden, um, the, the patio, I'm just like, oh, no. Uh, I, I got I to gotta get back to doing what God called me to do because it says that God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. God is kind. Amen. God is kind. Can we just end there? No, because verse 8 says, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. You know, it's, it's understanding that those who are stubborn, those who are, have an unrepented heart, aren't getting away with it. It's, it's, it's understanding that every refusal and every avoidance of God adds fuel to the fire. Now, I know this is not, this isn't even what I want to preach. I wish I could have just given you like a hoorah, let's go. But every avoidance and every refusal of God adds fuel to the fire? Oh, my God goodness. I wonder how hot the temperature in your fire is. I wonder how hot it is in my fire. Every refusal and avoidance, all the things that I do, it says you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. This is why Jesus says this, 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 this life is challenging. And it's, it was never meant to be easy because in Matthew chapter 7, the narrow path, it says there is a, there is a narrow path. And it is a narrow gate. It says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. And it says many are going to enter into it. But narrow, narrow is the gate. And narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. And it says only few will find it. I don't know about you, but man, this, it's so easy just to compromise it's so easy to find myself doing what everybody else is doing. It's so easy to find myself compromising in areas that everybody else is compromising because everybody's doing it. And sometimes I don't even find myself doing it. I had no idea I was doing it. I just started doing it and I was like, whoa, how did I get here? You know, and the truth is we are a product of all the choices we make. So somewhere along the road, you made a choice. That led to another choice. That led to another choice. That led to another choice. It wasn't just one time. It was like, God, what happened to me? God's like, what happened to you years ago? This is where it started right here. So that's where we got to stop it. I want to stop it right here. I don't want to wait till I'm on this wide journey, this, this road. The gates are massive, and I'm, I'm celebrating with everybody. And then I find out as I enter those gates that only destruction awaits. I don't want that path. That's why I got to take this narrow path, this narrow path that, yes, will be challenging. Yes, will be difficult. Yes, it'll be very um, hard, but it is very rewarding, church. It is very rewarding. There is so much goodness. There is so much kindness. There is so much gentleness. There is so much sweet sounds and melodies and harmonies that God is saying, I have prepared this place for you. The journey will be tough. But this is the journey that I'm calling and I'm saying I'm going to do. But this journey that leads to righteousness, church, hear me out, requires total attention.
right? There's no days off. There ain't any shortcuts either. I wish there was just a shortcut. I wish that there was just an easier route to do this. I wish that I could just, you know, come up with some algorithm that's going to make me feel a little bit better. And I can dabble in sin a little bit. And then I can go to church. There is no shortcuts. But it requires total attention. That means every single day in everything that I do, in everything that I say, in every step that I take, I have to live not everybody else's way, certainly not your way, but whose way? Yahweh, God's way. And so that's what I get to walk into. That's what I step into. I, I, I take a journey. I take a path that says I get to walk in the things of God. I'll, cl- I'll close with these last two verses. Romans 2, 9 and 10. It says there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. God is not soft. But, somebody say but. Come on, somebody shout but. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. You know, if, if you go against the grain, you're going to get a splinter. You go against the grain, you're going to get splinters. It's going to be challenging. You decide to abandon this. You decide to go the other way. You decide to just change it up and say, you know what? I'm just done with this whole faith thing. It ain't working out for me. I'm going to do my own thing. Because it just feels better. It just, it just is appealing to me, and it's more appealing to those around me. And you're going to find out that life is going to be very, very difficult. Some of you know this. You, you were the prodigal son. You were the one who abandoned everything and said, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing for, for uh, a little while and see how that feels until you find yourself eating out of the same troughs as the pigs eat from. And that could be literally or that could be figuratively. I don't know for you, but maybe that was you at some point and you said, I got to get back to this. I got to get back to the goodness and the kindness of God. And it's that goodness and kindness of God, not the, not the condemnation of God, but the kindness of God is leading you to repent. It's the kindness of God that is leading you to a place where you are restored and healed back to the place that he created you to be. He created you to be good. I think we always say often, I was created as a sinner in a, in a, in a, in a world that's full of sin. No, you were created in the image of God. You are God's image. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. You have been created to do things. Sin, yes, is here. Sin enters in. But I'm not blaming that. God has created me to be like him. Therefore, I will serve him. Therefore, I will love him. And it's going to be difficult. But true saving faith requires a total attention and obedience to doing the things that God has called you to do. All of it. Somebody say all of it. All of it. No days off, no shortcuts. And all that I do, I will honor God. Yes, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not saying walk out of here and now be perfect and now do right always. Don't sin or you will get, you know, uh, struck by lightning. I'm not saying that. We will have our downfalls. We will have our occasional mess-ups and slip-ups. But church, I want to be known for occasionally doing wrong, not occasionally doing right. I'll say it again. I want to be known as somebody who occasionally does wrong things, opposed to somebody who does occasionally good things. This is a whole journey. This encompasses every area of our life to say, God, I surrender and I give it all to you. I give everything to you. All of my life, all of my breath, all of my resources. I give my kids, I give my spouse, I give my job, I give my home, everything. Because if I didn't have you, I wouldn't have anything. And I challenge you, church, as you step into this true obedience, this true command that says, God, I will change. 
I will obey because your spirit, your kindness, your goodness is compelling me to. I challenge you to see what he does. Just watch how he changes everything in your life. So Father, we just worship you this morning. And as we're reminded of the goodness of God, we also are reminded that, that there is there is wrath. There, that's there. That is truth. We can't avoid that. But God, we certainly can avoid destruction. We can avoid that. And the end, one day when we take our last breath, Lord, I want to be. Uh, I want to. I want to enter the, the the narrow gates, the the narrow path, and I want to find myself in the throne room of God, where you are saying, Jacob, well done, my faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom of heaven. I would hate for one day after compromising, after being disobedient, after abandoning all that God has for me, doing my own thing because it's easier, because it feels better. I'm, I'm gonna find myself one day entering to that gate, that throne room of God, and God saying, I, I never knew you. Yeah, you shouted my name. Yeah, you showed up to church, but I didn't know you. I would hate for that to be you. I would hate that, for that to be anybody in this place. And I want you to understand it's not the judgment of God that's leading you to this. It's not the condemnation of God that's causing you to change. It's the kindness of God that is leading you to repentance. It's in the moment to say, you know what? I'm going to lay down myself. I'm going to lay down all my sinful natures and my desires. And I'm going to pick up the cross. And weekly? No. And monthly? No. And yearly? No. And daily? Daily pick up the cross for the rest of my life. I'm going to pick it up and be bold. And say, God, I choose this day not to serve Baal. No more compromising. I choose this day to serve Jesus for the, all of my days, for the rest of my days. And so I can one day praise your name in eternity. And so if there's anybody in this room, anybody watching online, you would say, Jacob, I, I've never made that confession of faith. I've never made that declaration that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to give you that opportunity right here in this moment and say, you know what? I've made mistakes. I have a lot of mess ups, but I know that God is good and he is willing to forgive and he is patient with me so that everyone would be given the opportunity to come back and to seek repentance and to inherit salvation. And so if that's you in this room, if that's you watching online, would you say, Jacob, I know that I need Jesus. Would you pray this prayer? In fact, everybody, would you repeat this prayer after me as one body? Would you say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Make me new. Forgive me of my sin. Today, I follow you for the rest of my days. You are my father, and I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together for maybe those people that made that decision in this room? Come on, praise God. Church, would you stand to your feet at this time? You know, we want to give you some space and certainly give you some time to think about and ask yourself, God, where am I at? Where have I been? I, I certainly don't want to be on the receiving end of your wrath. I want to be on the receiving end of your goodness. I want to be on the receiving end of your kindness. I want to be in a place where I'm receiving the blessings and I'm receiving the good things that you have for me because he has good things for you. But I need to change. So would you ask him in these next few moments, as we worship, we're going to give you an opportunity to come to the front and pray if you need to come to the altar. Maybe you've got some things you got to deal with. You can even make your way up right now. You need to come pray and say, God, I need some help. Have mercy on me. 
Have mercy on me, Jesus. I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I need a daily outpouring of the Spirit of God. You can ask that. God, I need a daily outpouring of the Spirit of God. And so as one voice in here, can we declare that, Lord, we are in desperate need of a fresh outpouring of your Spirit, not only in this church, but in our nation and in our world. With the Spirit of God that is so convicting, that is so challenging, that is so life-changing, be so evident in this place right now, in this moment. Church, if you want to just receive it, ask for it. Open up your hearts. Open up your minds. We even lift your hands as an act of surrender and saying, God, I need, I need this fresh wind. God, I need an outpouring of your spirits. Come on, ask them. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.